0: Mac Power Users, Episode 85, Paperless. Hello, everyone. This is David Sparks. Along with me is Katie Floyd. Hi, Katie. Hey, David. So, we are back to Paperless.
1: We are back to paperless, and you've got a big announcement to make yeah. for the few people hiding under a rock who may not know.
0: Yeah, well, I just released a, a book about, of all things, paperless.
1: Are we calling these books? Can you call them books now? I guess Apple calls them
0: books. I guess. I, I don't know what you call them. It's a new media thingy. I think that's the word I use. Uh,
1: well, it's a very interesting experience. You did this with iBooks, iBooks author.
0: Yeah, so I, I self-published. Um, all my b- prior books have been through a a publishing house. And I wanted to explore the idea of self-publishing. And I wanted to do a book on paperless because it's a big deal to me. And Apple came out with this iBooks author thing. I actually had already started writing the book. But I at the time, I thought I was going to do some kind of strange PDF or EPUB format. I knew I wanted to do things with an electronic book that I couldn't do with a paper book. Like I wanted to embed screencasts. Because I feel like learning paperless, a lot of it, you need to look over someone's shoulder and see how they actually run these things. Um, so I knew I was going to do that, but I didn't know how. And then just a few months ago, Apple came out with the iBooks author tools, and it was like, that's it. I'm doing that. So I
1: I remember when they did, you and I had a phone call, and we're like, oh, my gosh, this is what you've been looking yeah, for. Yeah, I was
0: very excited. And, and I spent the last um, three or four months kind of simultaneously enjoy using this application and banging my head against the walls. I was trying to figure out how it all fit together. And I'm really happy with it. So the book is called Paperless. And it's a Max Sparky field guide. It's the first of hopefully many. I'm going to do these field guides, um, you know, maybe a couple, two or three a year. And the idea is to give a real deep dive on how to do something important. And the first one is paperless. And I'm thrilled. I mean, it's so it's been in the store as we record this just a few days. And when the show goes live, it'll still be less than a week, but it's, it's getting really well uh, accepted. I guess you'd say people are enjoying it, getting a lot of good ratings and it's, high on the lists. So uh, it'd be an excellent uh, accompaniment for this show, frankly, if you want to learn more about paperless. Mm. It's 5 bucks.
1: Yeah, I, I think you hit the sweet spot with the, with the pricing point. I know that was something that you, you gave a lot of thought to.
0: Yeah, I agonized and, uh, over that. We could really do a, a whole show on the process of writing an iBooks author book and what's involved, but we're not going to do it here today. And I just, I don't, I'm not even sure anybody would be interested in listening to it. It's so inside baseball, but uh, this show is about paperless today, but we thought we'd kind of give an overview of of our paperless workflows and and talk about how it all works together. But also, obviously, uh, uh, if you're interested in this stuff, you should go
1: check out the book. Right. Absolutely. So let's, let's talk about the process of going paperless and really you broke this down into three steps. And I think that's probably a good place to start which is basically capturing your stuff, processing your stuff, and then how are you actually going to use it? And I think the, probably the, the first part, capture, people would think sounds very obvious, just, you know, okay, stick it in the scanner and get it in your computer. But it may not necessarily be because how are you going to get it in there? Is it going to be a PDF? Is it going to be a JPEG? Is it going to be a TIFF? And then what are you going to do with it? How are you going to uh, be able to read this information once it's in there? So it's you want to give a lot of thought to this process before you start implementing a paperless system because it's one of those things that you don't want to change midstream how you're doing things.
0: Yeah, and you know, even before we get into those nuts and bolts, I think we should talk just a little bit about about why going paperless because that's a question that I got asked by a lot of people when I told them I was going to write a book on paperless. They're like, "Well, why? You know, why what's the big deal with it?" And I just think uh, paperless is is the way we need to go in this this world we live in now where we get so much paper and so many digital records thrown at us and having an effective workflow to capture that stuff so you can find it later and not have to have these piles of stuff around your house uh, I think that's really a worthwhile goal for people um you know I know I went you no know, I know you went paperless several years ago right
1: I went paperless in my personal life several years ago. Unfortunately, my work life is still riddled with paper. And I know you're in the process of going paperless if you haven't already in your professional life as well. And maybe you can talk a little bit more about that process. Unfortunately, a lot of my office does transactional work and getting them to move to a paperless system would be quite difficult. But I found, especially when I moved last year, going paperless was a tremendous help. Just the volume of stuff that you didn't have to move because it was all electronic. I just had to move my MacBook Air. You know, that that's that's real hard. Stuck it in my backpack, put it on my back, and put it in the back seat of my car. Yeah, well, That was, that was about and, it. And, you know, the
0: other thing is when you go paperless, with using computers, they can process this stuff for you. In fact, we're going to talk about in the show some of the tricks you can use to have your computer automatically file documents for you. And, you know, the process you used to have of going to a filing cabinet, opening the drawer, finding the right folder, sticking it in there. Uh, that can be replaced by robots in your computer that you don't have to do anything. And the process of going and trying to flip through all these pages to find the one that includes a picture or a document. Again, that stuff is all very uh, easy to put on your computer. So there's an advantage to that. Another advantage of going paperless is you can make copies of it. So I've got digital documents that I've made many copies of some of them like family stuff, you know every time I find something funny in our family archive i make I scan it and I send it to everybody that is on my family mailing list, so I know it's out to everybody and there's a very good chance that you know when I'm worm food somebody is gonna have that and it's not gonna get lost um and it's you know environmentally sound too I mean we just you know we we do live on this planet, and things we steps we can take to kind of <laughs> keep us from Killing all the trees is probably a pretty good idea since they're the reason we can breathe, but
1: breathing is good.
0: So there's a lot of good reason to go paperless, but another good reason to go paperless is because if you're listening to the show, you know, you're a geek and this kind of stuff is kind of geeky and it's kind of fun, you know, taking on this challenge. And it's really scary. Like in my day job as a lawyer, we have gone fully paperless and it's so much more efficient. Uh, When I'm walking out the door to court, I can just push a couple buttons and my iPad gets updated with all the most recent filings in a case and I can read it at the courthouse without having to carry, you know, a big briefcase full of paper or sitting in the back of a courtroom. You know, one thing you do as a lawyer is you sit back there and you wait for your turn sometimes and I can be reviewing a file there. It's so difficult to do that with a big physical file because you make noise as you're ruffling through papers and you can't find the things you want.
1: And sometimes you don't have a lot of room, and you yeah. got to spread out, and you've got to pick this big thing out of your briefcase and open up this massive file, and sometimes they've got multiple parts and unfold them. Oh, yeah, and and maybe you can't find it as you're running out the door. Maybe somebody's grabbed the file that you need, or maybe it's still left in the bin to be filed, and it hasn't been filed yet. I mean, I've been I've been caught up in that more often than not, and you have to call back to the office, and can you scan it and email it to me, or can you fax it to me?
0: Or when you deal with one of these, mess. you know, these jerk attorneys who likes to make up things, you know. I wrote a guy and I told him you need to do such and such by such and such a date and he didn't do it, so I called him up and said, Hey man, you didn't do it. And he says, You never told me that. You never I, I never heard anything about that. So while we're on the phone, I just go into the file and I just find this the PDF copy of the letter and I email it to him. You know, while we're while before he finishes his rant, he's got an email from me with a copy of the letter. That was worth right. it, man. That was worth it. So, there's a lot of good reasons to get serious about going paperless. And in the book, I explain the process in basically three steps. The first is you want to capture stuff. So, whatever the documents are that come in your mailbox or your electronic mailbox or things that you get in the mail or things your kids bring home from school, how do you get all that stuff into your computer? You know, what's the right format, et cetera? The second step is capture. So, once you've got the stuff in your computer, How do you name it, store it, find it later, you know, all that kind of stuff. And the final step is use. And this chapter really emerges from the fact that we now have iPads and all these other devices. So now there's a lot of ways to view all this paperless stuff you've created. And I wanted to talk about that for a while. So that's the main workflow is capture, process, and use. So I think we can just break the show down in those steps now that we've kind of gone back and talked about why. So let's talk about capture.
1: All right. So most of the stuff that that I scan usually comes to me in some sort of paper format, usually in the mail or somebody drops off something on my desk. That stuff, at least in my workflow, I have what you would probably consider a traditional inbox. For for me, it's kind of a nice cloth basket that, that looks nice sitting on my desk, and I can stick it in my closet and hide it away. And I usually scan once a week. I don't feel like I need to scan every day, although I can. And so my mail gets sorted. Most of it gets trashed if I don't have to deal with it or do anything with it again. But the items that I feel like need to be scanned, like bills or statements or whatever actually comes in that needs to be scanned, goes into that basket. And once a week, usually it's Sunday mornings when I do all these types of tasks, I go through and they get run through my ScanSnap that's sitting here on my desk. And then they get imported into my paperless workflow. Now, to take it a step back... I have tried to eliminate as many things that come to me by paper as possible. Uh, you know, so I can try to get my, my bank statements now, all are PDF that I download, credit card statements, a lot of my bills come to me by PDF. So my inbox is my mailbox rather is, is pretty empty most days. It's kinda of lonely going out there and opening the mailbox and there's nothing there. But usually when there is something there it's yeah, just junk. Wow,
0: I, I get so much mail I can't even I can't even Get over it. There's so much stuff in there every day, junk mail. Really? Yeah. I've even gone but online. Is, is and,
1: it most of it stuff that you don't need to do anything? Yeah, with?
0: I sort my mail over the trash can, and when I'm done, yeah. there's very little left. But you know, I guess I'm on some kind of list or something. I, I've gone on the internet and tried to get off those those junk mail mailing lists. There are places you can sign up to try and remove yourself, but I'm not sure how effective they are. But
1: that's why you've got to move every couple of yeah, years. Yeah,
0: I guess maybe that's it i've keep been here too finding long. Him. but so w- w- i get a lot of junk mail I, i'm very uh, brutal about throwing this stuff out uh, it makes me crazy when you get like the credit card offers and i know i've signed up for places that say don't send me any more of those and i still get them but uh, the point is so you get the mail and you go through it and you've got so much you want to keep and so much you don't and and then you've got to get it into your computer there is the stuff that you want and i'm a big fan of the scan snap series the, the book actually covers several additional scanners i covered the um the neat scanner, which I think is a, is a good scanner and uh, the DoxyGo and some others. But uh, I really believe uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of these scant apps. I've been using them for years. I mean, they're even a sponsor of the show, I guess it's full disclosure, but the, uh, you need a document scanner. I don't believe a flatbed scanner, you know, the kind you get, you know, at Best Buy attached to your printer is going to be something that is going to let you succeed in a paperless workflow because it's so time-consuming to scan every page, to lift the lid, you know, drop it back down, push the button, and then they're slow. I mean, those things are not really made to scan documents, and they don't go really fast. They're great if you want to scan a, a photograph. They take a, make a great scan, sure. but it's not efficient for documents. And the first time you have to spend a half hour scanning you know, 12 pages, you're going to say, this is for the birds, and you're going to be done with it. So if you're going to get serious
1: – I need a document feeder. I need something that will scan two pages – you know, back and front, all at the same time. Yeah,
0: and that that's very neat. That's the kind of snap. thing a scan snap does, and, and a neat scanner does it too. Where it's got a feeder, and it's got what they call duplex mode. It's got a scanner on both sides. So when you throw a page through it, it doesn't just scan the front, but it scans the back too. And you know, it can do fifty pages in you know very quick, short order. You know, so that's I think you need a document. That's the big investment if you want to get into it. Paperless is buying. Uh, something like a scan snap, and, and it's not that big of an investment. Uh, you can get the, the S1300 for, I think it's $300, or you can get the, uh, the bigger one for 450 or so. So it's worth it, though, because once you do that, then you can capture that paper so quickly. And like on Katie, Sunday morning, you've got this mail accumulated. You push one button, and the stuff zips in, and the software is awesome, and it goes right into your computer. So that's the kind of capture for paper. You need something that can do that.
1: Yeah, I do want to give a little bit of a plug, though, to the DoxyGo. I've been using that recently, the DoxyGo plus Wi-Fi scanner. Yeah. They sent me the one that has the, the, is it iFi? iFi card is what it's called in there, that it will wirelessly transmit. And I've got it set up. It will wirelessly transmit, and it sends to my Mac Mini, um, which will then save files to a a Dropbox folder, which will then, a Hazel script, it's a little convoluted. I, I didn't set it up the way they told me to. I set it up in my own convoluted way. Um, if you set it up the way they tell you to, it's a lot easier. But I intentionally wanted those in a Dropbox folder, and then the Dropbox folder sends it by a hazel rule into the folder that their Doxy software uh, watches, which is pretty cool. And that scanner is good for for quick one-off things that you want to scan and you just want to get in quickly. Um, th- th- this is going to sound so silly. That, that Doxy Go scanner actually lives in the drawer in my kitchen. It lives in the drawer where I keep all my napkins. Does that, that people, people come to my house and say, oh, where do you keep your napkins? And I say, oh, right over there. And they open the door and they're like, what the heck is this?
0: Yeah. So, the, and, and the advantage of the Doxy is it doesn't need to be plugged into a computer because right. it's self-contained. And I don't have the Wi-Fi card in mind, but it's the same thing. I can just pull the SD card out and, and import the stuff. But,
1: yeah. but that's nice if you want a quick scan and then all of a sudden the next time you open up your computer, that stuff is there. So you can pitch whatever you scanned and, and it's gone.
0: I treat the Doxy more as a road scanner. I take it with me when I'm going somewhere with just my iPad, and I need to think I might need to scan a document. Which,
1: yeah, that's a good use too, because I'm traveling more and more now with just my iPad. Yeah,
0: yeah. And if you're, I mean, I, maybe I'm kind of an edge case because I'm a lawyer. And how many people have jobs where they go somewhere and they say, "Wow, I need to take a picture of that document," and uh, so I don't know. But either way, uh, you, you do need a document scanner. I don't think a DoxyGo is a replacement if you're going to get serious about paperless. You need to have a scanner with a sheet feeder that can really, you know, crank through these documents for you or you're going to go nuts. So that's one half of capture. But the other part about capture is um, digital capture. You get a lot of stuff in, like, your email and, um, you, know, <laughs> you know, just people delivering documents to you electronically. So you've got electronic documents that you would think, oh, great, I'm already paperless on that, but not necessarily. I mean, an email, for instance, if someone sends you an email that says, thank you for buying the such and such gizmo, and and here's your receipt, and it's text in your email, are you going to just put that in your email archive and hope that you can find it later? Or are you going to incorporate it into your digital workflow? And as I get talking later about process, it's important you have an electronic document tied to that receipt. So I talk about ways to convert an email into a PDF very easily and take other documents and convert them. And I, it gave me a chance to talk about Automator, which is great. I was talking to Ken Ray, you know, our friend with Ken over at Mac OS Ken. Sure. And he was telling yeah. me that uh, in my book was the first time he had ever used Automator. He said he'd always knew it was out there, but wasn't sure about it. And, and now all of a sudden he's using it. And that just, that thrilled me because all of a sudden, great. So Ken has figured out Automator is awesome. and. So I try to do that in the book. The screencasts walk you through that stuff. So when there is an automator script, I don't just write about it. You can look, literally look over my shoulder and watch me build it on your screen. You can do it at home. So it's a really good way to get yourself into those kinds of automation tools. But, you know, capture is important because you've got to have a way. I kind of envision it as a funnel, and you want to funnel all that stuff digital and, and analog documents to one place so you can then organize and sort them.
1: Well, I want to talk about another method of capture and this is one that I just used last week. I was on a business trip. I was up in Washington D.C. You might have seen some of the photos that I posted on Twitter. I got to see the Space Shuttle Discovery. That was that was very cool. Yeah, it's on display now at the Smithsonian. Yeah,
0: that would be cool.
1: Yeah, so I was on this business trip and the way that it it worked for this particular trip is um, you know, I had to pay all my own expenses and then I went back to the office and some of them got billed to the client and some of them the office directly reimbursed me for but i had to keep track of the expenses because if i didn't get keep track of them i didn't get reimbursed for them and i you know i basically just ate those expenses and you know it was a it was a pain you know you go grab a sandwich at the sandwich shop on the run and you know you're you've got your sandwich in one hand and you've got your drink in the other and you've got this big binder from this conference that i was at and you know you're running to try to make your next session w- what are the odds of that receipt making it back to the office 6 days later and making it back in the hands of my bookkeeper with me, candidly, it's pretty slim to none. And, you know, that means I'm just, you know, out whatever I spend. So I started using my iPhone quite a bit, and I have been for a while for capturing, because especially since the iPhone 4 and the iPhone 4S, that's pretty awesome camera on the iPhone that can be used for quick one-off captures, usually of one-page documents. I guess in a pinch you could do this with multi-page documents. I know you talked about uh, one solution that you use, the the one that i've used because it's a it's a universal app and now the the iPad 3rd generation has a pretty decent camera on it um is a is a app called Scanner Pro and that has the ability you snap a picture of a receipt or a single page or whatever it is you want to do and it will do some analysis and it will find the edges and it will optimize your scan and then you can save it in the app or you can send it to Evernote you can send it to Dropbox you can send it by email so just all week long, I was saving those and emailing them off to my assistant back at the office or saving them to an Evernote mailbox. And I had all of my my receipts saved up, and by the time I got back to my office, my expense report was generated.
0: Yeah, I, I did cover that in a book. I like Jot Not, but uh, Scanner Pro is a great app. In fact, I did put Scanner Pro in because as I was, I was getting ready to release the book to Apple, they came out with that update that gives you an iPad Version as well, which is kind of cool that you can snap a picture with your iPad of a receipt, and
1: it's not quite as easy to maneuver, obviously, because the iPad, you know, is harder to handle as a camera.
0: Yeah, the so the, but it works. So the way these applications work is, you take a picture with your camera and your phone, and the best ones, both Jotnot and and Scanner Pro, in my opinion, uh, have connections to Dropbox built into them. So you literally take the picture, you push a button, and it goes into a folder, and one of the things I talked about in the book is I have this thing called the action folder where I put stuff for sorting and organizing as it comes across my day. And it can be just stuff that's on my desktop or it can be stuff people email to me, or it can be something my scanner captures. It all goes to this one folder. And then I have Hazel rules in there like going nuts. And I'll talk about that in process in a minute. But uh, I have Jot Not Pro do the same thing. So I'll take a picture of a receipt over a lunch and I'll, I'll just take out my pencil and write on it, you know, lunch with Katie concerning whatever. And take a picture of it, and it uploads it to the action folder and then Hazel does stuff to file it for me. And so by the time I leave the restaurant, the receipt is already filed. Mm-hmm. And and I showed that too. That was one of the fun things about this book is because I've done books about the iPad. I've done books about the Mac. I've never done one that covers really both platforms and the best parts of both platforms. So I was able to use some screen capture technology. So I was able to like for instance, show John, and I just captured a receipt right there and you could like watch it on the phone so you can see how the application works. So I had a lot of fun making this book, I gotta say.
1: Did you did you do that with the Reflections app, by the way? Is that what you finally decided yeah. to use, or did you use that breakout you box?
0: Yeah, I, I have both now. I have the, the blackmagic breakout box, but at the time, um I like the Reflections app and uh I'm playing with that a lot now. So I did most of That's them a with a great that. fourteen dollar yeah, app. Yeah, it is. It's amazing. So there are so that's another way you capture you capture things with your your mobile device. Another way you capture things is on your iPad when you create stuff. A lot of the the productivity apps on the Mac save to PDF. And I guess, you know, I didn't say earlier, I recommend for a paperless workflow, you put everything in PDF. I don't think there's really anything yeah, else. For a while people were looking at TIFF and some of the other file saving formats, but PDF seems to be the one. And uh, so a lot of the apps on the on the iPad will save to PDF. So if you create a record there, you can write up an invoice for instance on pages and just save it as a PDF. And then you can have a workflow to get that into your system. Sure. So that's capture. You know, you've got to get the stuff into one place in your computer in one format. Hey, we got an exclusive sponsor though today.
1: We, we do. So uh, let's take a quick break and let's talk about our exclusive sponsor for this episode, and that is Chrometa. Now, this is an app that I personally use. I've been using it for a couple of months now, probably eight months so uh, since they became a, a sponsor of the podcast before. And I got to tell you, they have really helped me out in terms of my professional work with my billing. So what Chrometa does is it's an app that you can install on your Mac or your PC, because remember, I use a PC at work, but I still do quite a bit of work on my Mac. And it will automatically, in the background, without bothering you, track what you're doing on your machine. Now, you may say, hey, that's a little freaky. What are they doing tracking what I'm doing on my machine? Well, you can turn it on and off depending on what you're doing. But I have it set to auto-launch when I get to work, and I've got a little menu bar icon that I can launch it when I'm doing work from home on my Mac. And it will keep track of what I'm doing during the day. If I'm away from my keyboard for five or ten minutes, it will pop up a dialogue when I get back, and it will say, hey, what what were you doing? Were you on the phone? Were you in a meeting? And you can make a note that says, you know, client meeting with David. Uh, read this and, and and it will keep track of the amount of time that you were there. And what it does is throughout the day, it keeps track of what you're doing because especially as attorneys, and I know a lot of people who listen to our show are people that build by their time by the hour. You don't want to lose that because there is nothing more frustrating than being, you know, in the midst of the bullets flying and, and working so hard to make sure that you're doing the right things for your client. But yet at the end of the month you sit down and you realize oh my gosh, I've been so busy doing things that I actually haven't had time to capture things and I have no idea what I was actually doing. So you go back and you try to recreate your time. Maybe you go back through your email. Maybe you go back through your calendar. But you know you've lost hours and hours and hours of time just because you haven't done a good job tracking it. And that can add up to hundreds, if not thousands of dollars. And I found that since I've been using Chrometa, I have greatly increased my billings at work. My partners are quite pleased. And I'm just stunned that it's become easier. you know. I look at my billings at the end of the month, and it's a lot easier. I don't dread doing billings as much as I used to anymore.
0: It's also a lot more accurate. So if people say, "Well, did you really spend that much time on this?" Then you can look and say, "Yep, I spent eight minutes and thirty two seconds or whatever as you can see
1: <laughs> and I did it on this day from this time to this yeah. time
0: well if you if you make your living by the hour. This is an excellent application to track your time. And, you know, there's also a use for it, I think, if you're not using it to generate money, but just to see what you're doing. I mean, I think there's a productivity angle to this. If you feel like you're not getting enough done, get a Chromata account for a couple months and just look at your log at the end of the day. If you see,
1: if, yeah, that's true, because that's one of the scary things is when you go back there and, and look at your log, you'll see just how much time you spent kind of wasting time and. You know, maybe I could have really left the office at 5 o'clock if I hadn't spent, you know, this much time.
0: 2.5 hours in Twitter.
1: And I wasn't spending 2.5 hours I'm in Twitter. Saying
0: that, that, that'd be I'm a saying sign that possible. you need to do something different.
1: It would be a sign, yeah. So uh, you can find more information at Chrometa.com, and we'll be talking about them a little bit more in the, uh, later in this episode and tell you some more about their special features and how they can integrate uh, with other workflows you already have in your office.
0: Okay, so let's talk a little bit about what happens after you capture, and that's process. So you've okay. got the documents on your computer. They're in the PDF format. What do you do with them next? you just throw them into a big folder and forget about it? or That sounds like a plan. Well, it, that was my plan for a while until I kind of got <laughs> serious about this stuff. Um, there, there is, though, a plan. And I talk in the book, and this is a section of the book where I've given several options because there are – an abundance of riches for Mac users to organize paperless documents. Um, you can use third party software solutions that do all the work for you. You can do the traditional means of nested folders, and you can do tagging. Those are the three biggies. And I recommend tagging for myself. I mean, that's what I use, but I, I try to cover everything pretty thoroughly. But let, I'm sorry. Let me back up. <laughs> okay. I personally use nested folders, but I spent a lot of time with the other formats as well and tried to give real practical options for however you want to roll this thing. Uh, but let's go ahead and start with nested folders, because that's probably my favorite. Uh, I really like the idea of nested folders because they're, it's not proprietary to any software solution. You can just have sure. a group of folders, and if you organize them, uh, you can move those folders to an IBM PC, you can move it to... Oh, wait, does IBM even make PCs? IBM doesn't make yeah, they, PCs well, anymore. Well, you can move huh? it to a Windows PC. A You can use it, move it to an Android device. You can move it to a Google Chromebook or an iOS device. Sure. You know, nested folders are very transportable, and it's just a group of folders with PDF files in them. That means you're probably going to be able to view those things for a long time into the future, and that's important for your digital records. Um, and... What really makes the nested folders work for me is Hazel. And we, we talk about Hazel on the show probably too often. We did a whole show on it not too long ago when they came up, the 3.0. But Hazel really is an amazing application for doing things like filing documents. And uh, I put a lot of talk into the book about how you do that in the screencast, showing how it works. So uh, there's a couple of ways you can do it. But the two main ones are naming and optical character recognition. So... You could uh, give a file a name like you know twenty twelve hyphen oh five gas bill, and Hazel would look at that and says, "Oh, it's got the gas bill name in it," and it could grab that file and move it to your gas bill nested folder somewhere in your archive. And with very little time, so you you capture the document, you put it in your action folder or something like that in your life. You've given it that name, and Hazel filed it for you. You don't have to drag it into a folder and drill through it. You know, it just happens. Uh, Even more exciting is this OCR stuff, which has come a long way, as I alluded to earlier. Now the OCR stuff is working so fast when you scan it that it's not that much extra time to have it just run an OCR as you scan it in, if you've got a scanner that supports that, which both the ScanSnap and the scanner do. So you've got the stuff OCR'd. You can have Hazel look inside the documents. And so if you have a document that contains the word Southern California Gas Company and monthly invoice, which there's not many documents that are going to say that, that I scan except my Southern California gas company monthly invoice. It's going to rename the file for me with the format that I choose and it's going to move it to the folder. So my whole interaction with this bill is I put it in my scanner and I press the blue button on the scan snap and everything else happens automatically and it just gets filed.
1: That's a great feeling. It is.
0: It's it's awesome because you start scanning and you look at the action folder is almost empty, but you go ahead and start scanning. You look at it, you scan like thirty documents, and it's still almost empty because everything has already happened.
1: Now, what do you do with things that you've downloaded?
0: You mean like a,
1: do do any of your like if your gas company bills say didn't come in the mail like mine? Mine is available, you know from
0: yeah whatever so you get an, dot com. You get an email that says your monthly bill has arrived, and it's $72 or whatever. Um, right. uh, I walked through the workflow. You know, there's a there's a keyboard hack that I put on Mac Sparky. I think it's one of the most popular posts in the history of Mac Sparky. In fact, I'm going to put it in the show notes because I talked about it once before and forgot to and got angry email about it. But it's I call it print to PDF. And uh, there is a process on Mac OS X where you can open the print dialog box, then click on the little PDF button, and then go down and click on the Save as PDF which takes extra mouse clicks, and it slows you down. So I've got this keyboard shortcut where you hold the command key and you hit P twice, and it automatically saves as a PDF. And I just save it to that action folder I was talking about earlier. So if I get a gas bill and it's an email, I just hit command PP and it saves it to the action folder. And when you save a PDF from an email, your Mac is going to embed the text in the email uh, in the PDF. So it's already, in essence, OCR'd because it's digital. So if there's right. words that occur in that gas bill when you get it, because my gas bill, it came in the email, would say Southern California Gas Company. It would say monthly invoice. So you'd apply the same rules. So you've created a digital PDF of the email and filed it just by saving it to that folder.
1: Excellent. And, and you save everything to the action folder, and that's what Hazel wants. Yeah,
0: Hazel is gas. I made a joke in the book that if I, you know, I forget what I said, I think if I wrote the word pizza in the action folder, someone would ring the doorbell with one. I mean, it's just, I've got so many <laughs> rules hitting that folder. It's crazy. And, and then, you know, think about this in another essence. If if you're doing this, sometimes you have tax records. Like let's say it's an expense receipt. You know, let's go back to your trip to Washington, D.C. Um, you could have a Hazel rule that does more than just move it to your expense receipt folder. You could have it Make a copy of the file and put it in your twenty twelve tax return folder and the expense folder under there, or documents to process for taxes you could you know you could be creative about it and then send another copy of it over to a separate receipt folder that you keep for whatever you know travel expenses or whatnot so you don't have to just send it to one place I mean this is the beauty of digital. you can make copies of it so you can have a set in your tax folder that you can send off to your account, and you can have a separate set somewhere else so you know you've got a, like a secure extra copy of it.
1: Well, I do something a little bit different with my capture, and I've started this somewhat as an experiment since we did our Evernote show. It's been about six months or so now. I, like you, was a big fan of the files and folder method because I got burned once by one of these, you know, all in one filing solutions, stick all your stuff here, I'm going to automatically organize it and take care of all of your problems. And that didn't work so well. And you know, the data got corrupted and something bad happened. And I ended up having to go dig my PDFs out of, you know, like the package contents folder and they, the PDFs were intact, but the names were all gibberish. And I had to basically go through and recreate my PDFs. And it was an absolute nightmare. I mean, these are the kinds of things that can happen. So at that point, I swore off proprietary systems and went straight to the file and folder method and was using Hazel and TextExpander primarily, uh, along with some rules to watch my downloads folder and and watch my scans folder to to file things. And some stuff got filed manually. Since we did the Evernote show, I've I've started a little bit of an experiment. And I've got to say I like it, but I'm I'm still having come fresh off of that, not too fresh, but... Having been through that experience once of of losing data in one of these proprietary systems, it makes me nervous. So what I've started doing is putting certain documents in Evernote. Now, you mentioned that Hazel can make copies. So I still have my regular copy in my files and folders. So I'm still considering this in the experiment phase right now. So my file and folder structure is intact. And I figured for... For all of 2012, I was going to try this experiment and see how it worked out with you know running these dual systems and then maybe in 2013 make the decision which way I was going to go. And I started creating Hazel notebooks. I'm sorry, uh, Evernote notebooks for different types of things. So uh, I have an Evernote notebook for statements. I have an Evernote notebook for tax-related receipts or things that I would use for my taxes. Um, and then I have Evernote notebooks for various family projects. I do not put anything that has credit card numbers or social security numbers or things that could be potential for identity theft in Evernote because Evernote syncs with the cloud. And the beauty of those, those just go exclusively in my, you know, files and folders. Oh, I also have one for health and fitness and one for house related, you know, so I've got a, a dozen different notebooks, but those are, that's, that's kind of the basic structure. And, you know, setting up Hazel rules, you can also have Hazel um, take a PDF and put it into Evernote. And the way that I've done that, I think I put this in our um, Hazel episode, but if if not, we can certainly mention it in this episode, um, is you can, you can have Hazel send things from your action folder or from your scans folder or wherever you want um, to Evernote. And that's basically by having, you know, Hazel look for something and run an Apple script and it's a very short you know tell application evernote to evernote to activate and create a note from the file and tell and um so that will drop it into my evernote inbox and and that's about it so, you now if the source url is att.com then hazel and i download something from there the only thing i ever download from att.com is my att phone bill it will rename the file with my date created uh pattern and then wireless bill PDF, and it will import into Hever- Evernote, and then also move a copy over to my uh, my uh, AT and T folder in my file and folder structure.
0: So, how do you get the PDFs out of Evernote if you need to send a copy to somebody?
1: Evernote, there's a couple of ways, and and you've you've touched on one of the big problems of Evernote is that exporting documents en masse out of Evernote is not great. Evernote tries to keep everything in their system. Now, you can just right-click on a document and save as. If it's a PDF, you can save the PDF to wherever you want, or you can open the document and save it wherever you want, or you can. Uh, Evernote has a mail feature within it or, and within its iOS apps that you can email the note along with the attachment to somebody. So you can mail it to them. The problem is, is if I wanted to take... Every single note in my 2012 tax receipts folder, which is, I don't know, there's probably about 50 things in there right now, that's going to be a problem because I'm going to have to individually export them. Now, Evernote solution says, oh, just share that folder because you can share folders with other Evernote users with your accountant. Problem solved. But... What are the odds of your account using Evernote?
0: Yeah, it, it, is, it is troublesome. I like. I know images you can just drag out of them on the Mac app, but PDFs you can't just drag out. And that's always kind of been a hang-up for me for using it for digital storage. I did cover it in the book, though, because I know a lot of people really like that system. And with a, a paid Evernote account, it will automatically OCR your documents. In fact, that's another subject in the book. I actually have a whole section on OCR because I think a lot of people are kind of confused by how it works. And I cover some of the better apps and how to perform OCR and PDF Pen and Adobe and, and Abby fine reader and some of these other apps. But it is a, you know, a really easy way to, to conduct OCR in your documents. If you just threw throw it up in Evernote. But if you're using a document scanner, like the neat scanner or the ScanSnap, you can also OCR just as you put the documents in, as you run them through the scanner. So I don't see that as a huge reason to use Evernote. Um I, I like Evernote, but I don't really look at it as a document storage solution for me, at least. I like the idea that it's just on my, my Mac. My nested folders are on my iMac at home. And I don't need all that stuff up in the cloud anywhere, even on Dropbox. Because using Hazel, you can just you can process the stuff, you know?
1: Yeah. What what makes it nice is Brett Kelly, who was our guest on the Evernote show, said something really interesting. Now, he puts just about everything yeah. in Evernote, You know, understandably. He said, how much time do you spend categorizing and organizing and filing all of this stuff? Which, it sounds like the way you've got everything set up and automated, the answer is not much, but still some, um, for the stuff that doesn't fit into your standard rule set. Yeah. Versus, how often do you actually go back and find your documents? I mean... If I asked you to, could you find me your utility bill for May of last year? Sure you could. But what are the odds that you're going to have to? How often are you going to have to go up and pull up that bill? Yeah. And and Evernote makes it very easy for me to search. I mean, my my um uh, my utility company, all I have to do is type in, you know, utilities and it would pop up all of my utilities. I type in May, it would pop up you know, my utility bills for May. Type in utilities May 2012 it would pop up that bill immediately. And I could do it on my iPhone. I could do it on my iPad. I could do it on my Mac. You know, I could do it on any other computer that I might have that I might have Evernote on, which is why I don't put sensitive information on it. It's very, very convenient. And it makes sharing, um, you know, with some of the family stuff that I've had. I've had family members ask me, hey, do you have a copy of uh, XYD document relating to your grandfather's partial of property. Why? Yes, I do. It's right here in Evernote. I can sitting in the back seat of the car email it to you from my phone. That's that's pretty cool.
0: <laughs> no, I get that about Evernote. It's it's a great app and I see how a lot of people use it. I covered it in the book. For me though, I don't need to have the stuff on my iPad and on every computer that has my Evernote credentials. And I think that point you make about putting time up front versus search time later is a good one. And The point for me is I don't need these bills very often. I may never need them, and I don't want to have to deal with syncing them through Evernote and all that stuff when I can get the OCR and the automatic filing just on my local Mac. And its I guess I'm kind of backwards in that respect. I'm just just not that interested in going there with Evernote. Uh, But I would say that Hazel is the linchpin of my nested folder system. If Hazel didn't exist, I wouldn't do it because I'm not going to spend the time necessary – to drag files to individual subfolders, uh, you know, it's just not going to do that. You know, Hazel does it for me, and that's great. If Hazel didn't exist, I um, I would be doing something else, like maybe maybe Evernote or tagging files or using one of these software solutions I cover in the book.
1: Now, with the nested folder system, one of the concerns is security because some some of the things you have in there are going to be your gas bill. Some of the things you have there is going to be your credit card statement that has your credit card number on it, which, you know, note to credit card companies, why do you do that? Why do you put my credit card, full credit card number on the statement? Not necessary. What is, so that's specifically why I don't put that information in Evernote. And I don't want that information syncing to the cloud. I get that most of these cloud services are probably secure enough that I could put my credit card statements in Dropbox or in Evernote. And I understand that things will probably be okay and if they're not it's probably not the end of the world but i'm just not sure that i want to go there yet it's you know same reasons that i don't put a lot of client files in the in the cloud yet what do you recommend in terms of encryption or i mean do you encrypt your whole records folder and have to unencrypt it every time in some kind of in some kind of disk image or do you just figure that the security that you have on your mac between having file vault and a user password Is good enough.
0: Yeah, that's that's good enough. And I do one of the advantages of this book because these screencasts were so so helpful. uh, When I wrote Mac at Work, there was a section and I wanted to talk about encrypting disk images because you can encrypt an image on the Mac without buying any additional software. That does a great job of making an encrypted image holding files. It's kind of complicated how you create it though. And I remember writing about it in Mac at work and I had, you know, five or six pages on it and a bunch of screenshots. And, and I would ask people, well, did you understand how to do that? And depending on your level of geekiness, you did or you didn't, but I always felt like I kind of let people down. I didn't teach that good enough. And I just didn't think it was really possible at the end of the day to get that over with just words and screenshots. A lot of people need more And it was so, you know, I was just so happy when I made this book. I wanted to talk about that here. And in my discussion of the cloud, whether or not to use cloud, I I had a big talk in this book about, you know, the advantages and disadvantages of cloud storage. And one of the points I made is that if you are going to put something up there that you are a little leery about, you could encrypt it first. And if you want to encrypt it first, you can do it with this great system on the Mac. And I just made a screencast. I think it was like three or four minutes. And it walks you through each step of making the encrypted image. And my wife was telling me, oh, now I get it, you know, when she was watching it. So now she can encrypt images. And she's kind of like my canary on this stuff. She, you know, because she's not a, a geek like me. And if she got it from that, then I'm thinking, okay, then that worked. Um, so I do think you can encrypt and upload stuff to the Internet. And and I put stuff on Dropbox that are, are record-type files. But a lot of the stuff I have just saved on my local iMac, which is backed up in seven or eight places. So I'm fine. Uh, you know, the, it... It's really up to the individual. Um, and, and whether you use tagging or Dropbox or, or nested folders or Evernote, uh, there's a way to do all of this stuff. Now, that's, that's the beauty of paperless. It's got so much easier for everyone. And you can pick the solution that works for you. There's not just one The other thing I covered in the book is like the neat scanner has its own proprietary software that does a pretty good job of figuring things out for you and the amounts on receipts and things like that. And I thought that was a viable solution as well. In the book, I also covered some more high-end stuff. And I don't want to get in on the podcast because it's, it's probably not relevant to a lot of people listening, but there are software solutions out there made for big companies that are Mac friendly now that do a really good job of managing paperless documents like lawyers, lawyers, get into that where they have thousands and thousands of documents and they're sharing it over a network with many people and they want to track everything everybody does when they read each document. Uh, I'm not personally a fan of that stuff, but I'm a, a lawyer in a small firm, so I always felt like that was my advantage is I don't need all those tools. I can get by with, with easier solutions that are faster and more efficient. But uh, right. I tried to cover that stuff in the book too
1: again i'm I'm an attorney in a relatively small firm, not quite as small as yours. I don't think but we we don't use any proprietary software other other than our real estate department does for drafting of documents but I've always been very happy with the fact that i can I can run my practice using word processing tools although we do use the office suite uh files and folders, and you know I could have a Mac sitting on my desk and be just fine and as long as I stay I'm a big advocate of of staying in you know, non-proprietary solutions that you're pretty sure you're going to be able to open and use in the future. Keeping it simple. Just keep it simple.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And uh, and you know, and another thing I talk about is naming files, which just seems silly, but it's really important. You need to have a uniform system for naming files or you're going to have madness on your hands, you know? And
1: I liked your system for naming files. I liked how you even had a little diagram breaking that out. And you have a you have a slightly different naming convention depending on the type of file, which I thought was important was was something that never really clicked for me because I've always done I, I use a naming convention that's similar to yours I use full year full month full day I separate mine by periods I know you separate yours by by dashes. Oh, I don't you you know use if one's periods any better than the other. Well, are you an anarchist or, or dots, I guess so.
0: No, nah, I, I know I a lot like of people dashes.
1: use dashes. Dashes are ugly.
0: Periods for me, they jam the, the numbers together too much. It's harder for me to read. I like what? the dash. We're such nerds. I can't believe we're talking about this.
1: <laughs> periods are better. Um, but you you talked about there there are a lot of things that don't need a particular day. Like... And that that I always struggled with. I always struggled with, oh, gosh, you know, my gas bill, it really has this date, but I, don't, I downloaded it four days later. And how do I go back and, and create, you know, do I really want to spend all this time going back and fixing this day? Well, why does my gas bill need to have the specific day that the gas bill was issued yeah, just, on? It's my gas bill for May.
0: Just the year and the month.
1: I'm not going to get another one. Yeah.
0: Right. And, and that's one of the... So that made a lot of sense to oh, me. You- that, click, that was very helpful. Oh, good. I'm glad. Uh, you know, one of the things I talked about, like in that Hazel rule, where it looks at the gas bill as it gets scanned in, and it renames it, the naming convention I use would be 2012-05 for the month, space, hyphen, space, gas bill, invoice, or gas invoice, or whatever word they use. So one of the naming conventions I use is uh, the date... With a year month day format, but for a gas bill, for instance, it would just be year and month, so it'd be two thousand twelve hyphen zero five space hyphen gas bill. And using that OCR trick I was talking about earlier, Hazel will do that. It will name it and it will just take the current month. So if you scan it in the month you receive it, it's going to get the right month. You don't even have to bother with that. So it's it's really great. I, I it. I think OCR has come a long way, I, and that was one of the discoveries I made writing this book. I think the last time we talked about paperless on the show was several years ago, and I kind of poo-pooed OCR. for. I think
1: it was like our third show or something. Yeah,
0: it was way it back. Was early on. Yeah, it's way back in the archive. But uh, I poo-pooed OCR for personal use, although I do use it a lot for legal stuff. I've gotten now to where I use it almost for everything. It just seems to make sense because using a tool like Hazel, it gives you more to work with. And what's wrong with being able to search all these documents? I mean, you can do a search on them and find stuff.
1: Now you get even more specific in your naming convention than I do, because, and, and I want you to talk about why, because you you may convince me that that's a better way to go. For example, if I was writing you a letter today, I, I would probably have a file about court. You know, if, if I would have a correspondence file, and I would it would be date uh, LTR 2 Desparks. And but but yours would be much more detailed, right?
0: Yeah, sort of. I I use for letters. I use the name of both the sender and the recipient, and that's kind of a holdover from my day job because that's how I, I designed it for my office as well. And I wanted, you know, there's more than me at the office, and uh, so I and just I just kind of carried that over. So it would be Floyd Hyphen Sparks rather than LTR. It just makes sense, okay. so, you know, who sent it and who received it. You can put an arrow in there too if you want on the keyboard there's an arrow so there's it just depends on your own particular bent. The big deal about a naming convention though is if you're going to get serious about a paperless workflow, stop and take 10 minutes and figure out what you like I mean whether you like periods or dashes and those kinds of things because once you start using a convention, it's a lot harder to change it. So this is one of those things where stopping and, and and thinking about it at the beginning is going to make you much happier. Because if you use a naming convention for six months and say, oh, you know, I don't really like that period, I'm going to use dashes, then your files look all goofy because you've got different types of conventions in there.
1: Well, and in some cases, they'll sort differently, too. Yeah, exactly. All right. So do we want to take a, a quick break and talk a little bit more about our, our exclusive sponsor for this episode, Chrometa? Yeah,
0: you know, I met with the Chrometa folks when I was at the ABA Tech Show. They were one of the vendors there. And it's just such a great company. These guys are, like, really, like, hands-on. It's not a huge company. You'd think they are because the service is so good. But, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a group of people that have come up with this idea. And and they're they're combining it with other software products now. I know, for instance... At the tech show, I was very excited. One of my very favorite Mac app—I'm sorry—one of my very favorite legal-related services is this thing called Rocket Matter. It's a service where they um, attorneys can do online management of cases. And I'm not using it yet in my office, but I'm sure I'm trying to get everybody in the office to, you know, to or in that direction. And now they they combine with Rocket Matter, so you can actually capture as an attorney your time right into the billing application that you use. I mean, that's really cool that these guys are out there doing that.
1: And for a lot of the non-attorneys that are listening to the show, they do integrate with other software. I mean, if you are an attorney, they do uh, integrate with PC Law and CeeLo. But if you're not, they integrate with a lot of software like Basecamp, FreshBooks, QuickBooks. So chances are if you're running a a small in-house job or a small office or even just working on your own, You know, FreshBooks, I know, is advertised on a lot of other 5x5 shows. You probably are already using one of these solutions. So Chrometa will take the information that you've captured from Chrometa. You can export it directly into one of these uh, billing applications that you're already using. And it's just an end-to-end solution for keeping track of your time and then turning around and invoicing your customers for that time.
0: Yeah, it's just a great application. I, I, I think what you said earlier really rings true. Anybody who makes their money by the minute, by tracking their time, and you use a computer, it is so difficult to do that because your mind is focused on the project. I mean, that's what you should be doing, right? When you're working, you should be thinking about the problem you're dealing with. You shouldn't have to stop and think, oh, wait, I just closed that Word document and I'm moving to a different one. I need to write down the time. How are you going to keep your mind focused doing that? This takes that away and does it for you. So you have very efficient uh, time records and you have the ability of being able to focus on your problem. And, and, you know, that's what computers are supposed to be good at, right?
1: Right. And Chrometa takes care of a lot of the organization for you in the background. And, you know, we're all familiar with, like, email rules and how you can set up a rule in your email folder that mentions this particular person or if it's in this particular folder um, you know, send it here or do this with it. Well, Chrometa has something similar. They they use a rule based approach too. So if you have, you can set up clients in Chrometa, if you do, you know, the same type of work every couple of months for the same client, you can set up rules in Chrometa so that it knows if you're working on a particular document, or if you're working in a particular folder, or if you're doing some particular task, depending on how you have your rules set up, it will already go ahead and say, oh, I know what you're doing. I know whose work you're doing that for. I know what your billable rate is for that client because it's information that you've already put into Chrometa. And you don't have to go back at the end of the month and organize all that. And then for the random work, if you pick up a new client or you pick up a new job and you haven't inputted that yet, it will still keep track of all the time. So at the end of the month or the end of the week or the end of the day or however you want to bill out with Chrometa, you will get this nice, they've got gorgeous reports that you can go through and see either by day, by project, by client, however you want to do it, exactly where your time is being spent. And they also introduced a new plugin for Chrome uh, for Gmail because I know a lot of people use Gmail and a lot, we spend a lot of time now um, in our email figuring out, you know, sending correspondence back to clients. You don't want that just to be freebie time because you are corresponding back and forth with a client. They're going to be tracking that as well. It's very
0: cool. Plans started just $19 a month. And you're gonna get. The, you're
1: gonna make that back. You're
0: gonna make that back very quickly if you if you're using this for your billing. So uh, they've got team options. They've got you know a variety of different options. You can have it do up to four devices. So if you're on, working on a Mac and a PC, you got that covered. You can have it track all the different devices you're on. Uh, it's a great application. I really appreciate them sponsoring the show, and highly recommend you go check this out if this is the kind of thing you need.
1: Yeah, and uh, thank you, Chrometa, for sponsoring the podcast. And uh, thank you for helping me out in my professional life and and making my partners happy with me this year.
0: Okay, so we've, we've covered now capture and process. Uh, the last piece of this is use. So if you've gone to all this trouble to set up a digital workflow to capture your documents and save them to your computer, how are you going to access them? And that partly depends on how you save them. Like if you use one of these applications that... That takes care of it for you, that's also your window into the documents. If you use Evernote, as Katie was talking about earlier, that's your window to the documents. If you use um, nested folders, you can set up a Dropbox workflow and you can put some of it on the cloud. The, it really varies on how you do things. But I, I wanted to cover this anyway in the book, and I talked at some length about some of my favorite applications on the iPad and the iPhone to, to see these things mobile as well. It's kind of interesting. As I wrote the book, I wrote a lot about GoodReader, and since the book got submitted to Apple, I've been looking a lot at this PDF Expert app. Oh. And uh
1: you know, we did a whole show on GoodReader uh, a year and a half or so ago. It's been a while. Yeah,
0: yeah. PDF Expert. It's, it's hard.
1: To, it's hard to believe that we're we're coming up on a hundred shows. Yeah,
0: it is. It's great though.
1: Everything's been a while now. We
0: were eternal optimists when we put three digits in the number when we started, and here it is coming true. That's true. But yeah, So I th-
1: so tell me about PDF Expert. I haven't heard about well, that.
0: Well, it's it's just another PDF reading app, and it's not as wide-ranging as Goodreader. It doesn't open every file known to man, as Goodreader seems to do, which is kind of neat. Um, but it does a really good job, and it's very clean in presenting PDFs. So uh, if I do an update to the book – I will do an update, by the way. <laughs> I may put some more in about PDF Expert because it is another option now at this point, I think. I'm not really sure if I'm ready to abandon Goodreader yet, but – I do like that for the archival stuff. And then I was able to talk about PDF Pen for the iPad. The big advantage of that is this iCloud sync. So the stuff that I'm really working on goes to PDF Pen for iPad. just That's the way it works because it it allows me to see it on my Mac and my iPad essentially simultaneously. and, And that's what I want. But for like the archival stuff, I've been putting it. And I may be switching over to PDF Expert. I'm not sure. We'll see. But so I was able to talk about that in the book. And I was also able to talk about how to do some tricks in the PDF applications on the Mac, like um Adobe PDF, um was it Adobe Acrobat X Pro. They <laughs> they keep adding things to the name. It's a it's a very expensive app. I you know, I I think I don't have it in for Adobe. I think you know they've got they're the ones that are behind PDF to begin with. Um they've got a very expensive app on the Mac, Adobe PDF. Acrobat Pro X. I think I got it in the right order there. Um, and it does some amazing things if you need really, really high-powered stuff. Frankly, the recommendation in the book is, if you're going to be just managing and looking at PDFs, just get yourself PDF Pen or PDF Pen Pro, because it's it's you know exponentially cheaper and does a very good job at those kinds of things. It has OCR built-in, and like PDF Pen Pro, you can you can bookmark stuff. And I I did screencasts about bookmarks because people don't really get that until they see it. But when they see it, they are completely sold on it. Um, and that's really important when you're dealing with big documents as uh, as we start to get when we get into these paperless workflows. Right.
1: I also and I think you also talked about how you can use that uh, PDF Pen OCR trick with an Apple script and a folder action as well. Didn't you do a screencast on that?
0: Um, no. You know, I, I talked about it, but it, at the end of the day, I felt like it was a little too fiddly. And the fact okay. is, you can OCR so easily now with a document scan, with all the software that does it for you, that I didn't ultimately include that. Um, another thing I talked about in the book was signing documents. Because you know if you're going to go digital, you're going to need a way to sign documents. And there's a lot right. of ways to do that on both the Mac and the iPad. I covered them all.
1: So what what do you recommend? What is What is your workflow for all of this? You scan the document in, it shows up, you've got it in your files and folder method. If you ever need to use it, how does it get into either Goodreader or PDF Expert or whichever PDF system you happen to be using? Uh, Especially if it's not in a cloud based solution, do you just drag stuff over to your iPad as you think you might need it? Or, you know, especially if you're using, obviously, if you have your Mac, it's it's all there. But how do you keep all of this stuff in sync between your various devices if you think you might need it? It
0: depends. You know, some of my nested folders are in Dropbox and some of them aren't. And the ones that are on Dropbox are automatically synced to the PDF application of choice. And the stuff that I'm actively working on, I sync through iCloud to PDF Pen. Okay. And for signatures, I'm starting to do most of that on the iPad now. I kind of like that. I just do that in PDF Now, are you pens. doing that with
1: a stylus, or are you doing that with uh, your signature that you saved in something like PDF pen?
0: Um, well, you can. I save my signature to PDF pen, so I can just drag it in, because with a stylus, the signature still kind of looks like I wrote it with a crayon.
1: <laughs> so one of the other things I would like to talk a little bit about that you maybe didn't cover in your book, if you don't mind, um, and without going into to great detail... Can you talk a little bit about the process of how you started shifting your office to a paperless workflow? Because like me, I'm sure there are a lot of people out there listening to this show who maybe work in small offices or you know, maybe are the boss and would like to try to move their office paperless but have no idea how to get that started. So if you've got a small office or if you're in a position where you can you know, make some of these decisions or contribute to some of these decisions – How do you start that process? It's easy to do in your own life, but maybe not so easy at work.
0: I had a guerrilla action. I mean, this was completely planned out. And I I, I approached the idea of paperless several years ago with my coworkers, none of whom are particularly geeky, and all of whom were horrified at the idea because just the idea that they wouldn't have their their beloved paper, right? And I realized that it wasn't going to be that easy to convince these people by words, so I decided I was going to convince them by action, so uh, we got a scan snap for my secretary, and I have one at work as well and just pretty much she i I asked her to scan everything that came into me. you know if something was coming in my inbox, I wanted it scanned and emailed to me, and I started on the files i in the way my office works is we all kind of have our own files really and so very quickly, just through repetition, the people that work with me realized that I want everything scanned. And I built my own folder structure in the office, and just the files that I work on were going paperless, even though nobody in the office had actually acknowledged this. The paper was. So, did you
1: have kind of a dual system going? You were paperless, but yet the file still had a paper component because your office wasn't exactly.
0: So, they still were running it through and indexing and doing the things that lawyers do with paper. But I, I was completely out of touch with that. Once the stuff came in, it was in. I had it organized. I applied the naming convention and the people that I worked with quickly got the I you know made a little handout kind of like a naming convention list so they'd have it at their desk and they would they knew what I wanted and very quickly they adopted it so without getting anyone to agree to paperless I just started doing paperless and then Okay
1: so every every piece of every piece of mail every document every pleading Got scanned in and emailed to you, and then you would put it in your action folder, or you would just file it wherever it went into a series of files and folders in a client file? Yeah,
0: within the client file, I had like correspondence. I would just put a copy in there, you know. So, in addition to a bunch of Word documents, there were PDFs showing up in there. And then the, uh, and that was the first step is getting the stuff coming in digital. And what?
1: And did you start this like on a specific date, like January 1? We're doing this? No. Or did you start this with like any new file that came in after this date? I
0: started it the afternoon after we had the meeting where everybody said, oh, we can't do paperless. That sounds really scary. We're not going to do that. So uh, that afternoon, I just started having them scan everything I did. Um, okay. I don't know what day it was. I mean, it was sometime.
1: Well, yeah. no, I don't mean, I, I just mean, like, did you just say, okay, as of this date, or did you just say, okay, everything new that comes in from this point and everything old is going to be on the legacy? It,
0: yeah. And I didn't tell a single soul about it, that this is, was my plan. I just started doing it. And, you know, they right. didn't realize, you know. And so the first step was the stuff coming in getting scanned. And then after that went on for six months and everybody got used to, okay, that crazy guy Dave wants everything scanned. Then I started saying, okay, I'm sending this letter out. Scan it for me before you stick it in the, the mail and put it, you know, in the folder. <laughs> or okay. I signed this complaint or this pleading. Scan that for me. And and pretty soon I got them used to scanning everything that went out as well on my files. And, you know, then I was sitting at court with another attorney from the office, and I was going through a file on my iPad, and he was looking down, looking at me go through everything neatly organized, and he was looking at his piles of paper, he said, when did you start doing that? <laughs> you know? And I said, oh, I don't know. It just kind of happened. Well, how do I get that for my file?
1: <laughs> so the, the, you have like a client file. You know, Katie Floyd, your crazy client. She's always getting sued. So you have a Floyd file. And then before you go to court on anything you think you might need the Floyd matter for, you drag that to Dropbox or you drag that to Evernote or someplace where you can have it on your iPad. Yeah.
0: Okay. And right. and so the, the 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 people the attorney started to acknowledge that there, this was kind of cool, or or even just like evidentiary documents. I would be sitting in a mediation, and you know I've told the story before, I think, on this show, how the guy told me he would eat a shoe if if I could prove that we would get attorney fees and the contract. The contract was like 120 pages, and I had everything indexed in PDF pen, so I just opened it up and. Hit a button on my iPad and put it on the screen. And I said, Well, you know, would you like catch up? You know, so the, um, so all this stuff is just start, people, other attorneys in my office started to realize, Wow, there's some advantage to this. And then for the staff, I knew I had to have something for them too, because they were, you know, they're thinking, Well, that's a lot more work. I have to scan everything. But now they've been doing it and they realize it's really not that much more work. And the thing that attorneys in a a law office, one of the big veins of the existence of the staff is indexing. For every piece of paper, they have a big index, and they have to type out the date and everything. And they put these indexes at the beginning of the file. So you can see tab number 38 is this letter, or tab number 22 is this piece of discovery. So that takes a lot of time for them to go and do that. And I said, you know, if we had a paperless system, you wouldn't need that because all the files are named and saved to the file. And the index, in essence, is the folder on the computer. And then you could see, you know, the lights going off. And before long, the whole office was doing it. And then effective January 1, 2012, we had our official, you know, beginning of paperless day. And, and to be honest, we were all paperless probably three or four months before that. Wow. But
1: that, but we're, so you just started doing
0: it? Yeah, I mean, I think I just decided heck with it, you know. I'm just going to do it.
1: So. And and the way that you've implemented this is pretty much a snap uh, a scan snap on every desk.
0: Yes, scan snap on every desk. Smart file system naming and nested folders. And we already had nested folders. I mean, we keep a folder for each file and each client and each matter. And inside that, you have the various subfolders. So it's all done.
1: And the beauty of this, it's totally cross platform because I think everybody else in your office is using PCs. Yeah. So it's just PDFs and folders. Yeah. The
0: the, the bad side is we don't have Hazel on the PCs in the office. So. But they have to it. So your
1: assistant has to actually yeah. organize it. Yeah. Well, I may, I may start doing my own gorilla tactics in my office. I, I am. We, we do have a scan snap up front at our receptionist that he's supposed to be using to, to scan files. And I don't think he's using it. So that scan snap may disappear and end up on my assistant's desk Monday morning.
0: There you go. We'll see.
1: There you go. I, Maybe it will be the beginning. Yeah.
0: I mean, my scan snap in my office is the first scan snap I bought. About five years ago, it's still the thing just rocks. It just still goes. And it works with the new software, so I'm great. Excellent. Yeah, I I'm really happy with this book. And it was really fun writing it. And I love that everybody's enjoying it. I'm getting a lot of positive feedback. Uh, you know, the show is great, paperless, but you know, there's an hour and a half of video screencasts in it. If you really want to get paperless, please go just get the book.
1: Yeah, we've we've just uh Touch the tip of the iceberg here. I've got to say, David was kind enough to allow me into his beta test group for this book, so I got a hands-on read and a hands-on preview of of the the screencast that he was doing. They are they are amazing. This is I am so thrilled with how this turned out. I, the iBook experience was absolutely perfect. Um, it's unfortunate that. You have to have an iPad, but everybody should have an iPad if they're considering going paperless anyway to do this. And you know, maybe Apple will come up with some kind of iBooks reader for, for Mac at some I, point in the future.
0: I actually have something right to that. say about that. I, the book is in okay. – currently it's in 30 stores. It's in every store that um, I can sell it in except Denmark and Norway. There was a mistake with the way I set it up. And hopefully by the time this show goes in air, it will be fixed. So we'll in those countries too. Um, for the countries where they don't have an iBook store or people who don't have an iPad – I am going to release a version that's going to be a PDF version of the book, and I'm going to package with it the uh, screencasts. So I haven't figured out exactly <laughs> how to do it yet. I'm dealing with a trial right now. When all the dust settles, I'm going to figure that out, and I'll have a way that you can buy it online. So if you don't have an iPad, you can still see this stuff. Um, the book is not DRM. I didn't implement any digital rights management. I don't want to make it – You know, I don't believe in that. So now that I'm in the position to actually make a decision about that, it's not there. So I just trust people aren't going to go and rip me off and it's $5. So if you're going to rip me off over $5, then, you know, shame on you. Yeah, Exactly. And so I'm going to make it possible for people. I'm not trying to lock people out that don't have an iPad, but the iPad experience is so good. I mean, this iBooks author thing is, is like candy to me. I just love it so much. Um, I really recommend if you have an iPad that this be the platform you get it. In fact, I make less money. On the iPad version, because you know they get their cut at Apple. If I, when I sell the uh, the PDF version, I'll get all the money for it. And but I don't care. You should still buy it on the iPad. It's just so much better, you know, with the ability to jump through. It, it's really an experience in itself. One of the things I found in in beta testing this book—that's what I was calling it—with some of my friends reading it—is they didn't understand how it worked because it's such a new format. I mean, this is not a typical ebook. It's an interactive something. And just finding the table of contents and figuring out how to run the screencast or the interactive images, people were confused. So I actually added a screencast at the beginning just saying how to read this book.
1: <laughs>
0: it's it's a lot of fun. If, if you do get it and uh, you like it, let me know. Or if you don't like it, I guess let me know as well. I'd, I'd love to hear what the uh, Mac Power Users listeners think because, you know, you guys are my people.
1: Well, congratulations, David. I mean, this is just an awesome experience. It's a great book. I'm, I'm so thrilled for you. I, I hope that I think that you are going to be making this a regular thing. I think the Max Barkey field guides have a lot of, a lot to contribute to, to this community. Um, and I wish you the very best of success. With Well, it. thanks. All right. Do we have time for some quick feedback before we get out of here? I think we do. All right. Uh, We actually got quite a bit of feedback on our setup show, and uh, most people were talking about our ambidextrous uses of the the trackpad. I
0: I stand corrected.
1: (laughs) Um, Michael wrote in and, and talked about that he's been an ambidextrous mouse trackpad user ever since the Magic Trackpad came back. And before that, he was using his mouse ambidextrously, and that it actually can be a really good thing. And we had a couple people write in and say, you know, I broke my arm, and I was I was actually functional because I was able to use the mouse or use the trackpad with with my other hand. So that that can be helpful, too.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I stand shamed. I got some email right. from people saying, why did you tell Katie she's weird?
1: Well, I think we knew that already. <laughs> I took it as a compliment. There you
0: go. Uh, we also heard uh, about another backup method, rsync at sourceforge.net. From Bahaskar, I hope I pronounced your name right. Uh, it's a free utility that uses a standard Unix rsync command uh, with a GUI front end, so it's kind of cool. I'm going to put it in the shoutouts.
1: Right, and I think that was a, a suggestion as an alternative to ChronoSync, which we recommended for keeping uh, particular files and folders in sync across, you know, whatever if you wanted to.
0: Yeah. Well, we've gone on for a while. Let's let's just close out the show. What do you say? Um,
1: all right, well let's let's do that. Let's let's tell people where they can find links to links to where they can buy your book and links to uh, uh, everything else that we've talked about on the show. Yeah,
0: well, my book is just in the iTunes iBookstore, so go in there and look up David Sparks or Paperless, and it should pop up. It's got a green cover. Cover, by the way, is by Darren Rolf, the guy who made the original Mac Power Users logo. Yay! Darren All is right. awesome. You know, and the uh, and uh, you can find us at MacPowerUsers.com. And also at five by 5tv slash m p u
1: right oh by the way, just a side note the uh the five by five live app for the iPhone was just released, and we've we've talked around we've posted on Twitter about the possibility of maybe doing some live shows we you know haven't quite figured out the details about that yet, but we're we're thinking about it um certainly not every show because that's that's kind of difficult for our schedule, but we're thinking about it. But if you do have the 5x5 radio app, you can do two things. One is you can tune in uh, to the shows that are recorded live. And the second is it will just play a constant stream of the best of 5x5. And I think we're included in that. So right now, uh, the best of 5x5 is currently playing Geek Friday. But uh, earlier it was pay- playing the Incomparable. So there's a, um, there's a great rotation going on.
0: Yeah. And you know what? We are going to do a live show. Let's just commit. Um, we're not going to do every show no, live. And we got to figure out the logistics with Dan, and I, I think we'd like to do it Saturday morning or Saturday afternoon, depending probably. on where you are. Um,
1: It'll probably be Saturday around noonish Eastern.
0: Yeah, and so we've we got to talk to Dan about you know how that works, and I don't have any idea. I don't want to you know take his Saturday away from his family if he's got to be throwing buttons somewhere. But we're going to figure it out, and it's not going to be every show, but we're going to do some, and I'm really looking forward to it. So uh, let us know your thoughts on that, and. Uh, I know there was some concern on Twitter. The same. saying, well, if I can't be there, does that mean I don't get to hear the show? No, everything is going to be the same. It's still going to get recorded. We'll still put it in the feed. But for people who are interested, and I think some of the workflow guests in particular, those would be good shows to do as a live show. Sure. So look for that.
1: Yeah, and you can find uh, more information and quick updates from us uh, over on Twitter. You can follow the show, is at MacPowerUsers. I'm at Katie Floyd, and David is at MacSparky.
0: Thanks, everyone, for listening in, and uh, thanks, everyone, for supporting me with this book. I really appreciate the love I've received from, I'm sure, a lot of our listeners already.
1: Right. And a thank you to our exclusive sponsor for this episode, Chrometa. Uh, You can find links to them as well in the show notes. You can find them at chrometa.com and uh, also find them on the sidebar of our website. And we appreciate their support. Uh, Next up, we're going to talk to uh, Wendy Chrewinski, who is going to be talking to us all about her speech writing workflows, which are very interesting. Uh, She's a speech writer for politicians up in Canada And she writes for the Crown. She doesn't write politically-based speeches, but it's interesting to hear how she gets her assignments, how she manages that, how she does her research, and uh, how she teaches everybody how to write and speak well.
0: So we'll see you then.